This is Clay from Skilled Gentleman Podcast. You're listening to Handgun World Podcast with Bob Main. Hi folks, I'm Bob Main, and you are listening to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. And this is episode 549, and it is being released on Sunday, May 2nd, 2021. This is a practical show, folks. I'm just an everyday guy like a lot of you that are probably listening and I just take my Second Amendment rights very seriously and I like to share them with you. That's what this show is all about. And this podcast is brought to you by Keepers Concealment, the leading authority on appendix holsters, appendix carry training, and high-performance handgun training. If you remember, I have had Spencer on here several times and one of the interviews that I did with him was on pure shooting skills and it really helped even me and I'm sure that a lot of you got some benefit from it also for those of you who are members of the Shooters Club which I'll talk about a little later the extended version of Spencer's pure shooting skills interview was on there so check out Keepers Concealment and by the way, they're also a affiliate for CCW Safe. Now, CCW Safe, I'm I'm going to be switching to soon. I'm just going to let my current membership at another organization run out, which will be running out in about 45 days. And I'm going to go over to CCW Safe. Of course, they are sponsors, but also I have not been well, let's just say I've been looking for a little bit better value on the concealed carry protection that I have. I think it's a must, folks, that you have concealed carry protection. There's going to be an aftermath if you have to use your weapon in self-defense, and you're going to need to deal with the aftermath. And CCW Safe has proven they're a legal service membership company. You get 10% off by using Spencer Keeper's code of KC10OFF, kc 10 off. A link will be in the show notes for Keeper's Concealment, for CCW Safe, and everything. It'll be in the show notes with the discount code. And uh, check them out at keepersconcealment.com, keepersconcealment.com. And please remember to use KC10 off as the discount code. Also, if you can leave comments when you, when you check out, tell them that you heard this whole advertisement on the Handgun World Podcast. So this week I got some voicemails. And three of them, they're real good. Great topic matter. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. I encourage you to call in 210-646-1727. 210 
27. If you got comments on any subject that I talk about on this show, if you want to ask a question, what have you, you can record an audio file and email it to me, handgunworld at gmail.com. You can call into the voicemail, 210-646-1727. You can even make a video and send it to me if you want. You can also email that, handgunworld at gmail.com. And I'll put the audio portion. Might even put the video on my YouTube channel if, uh, if you give me permission to do that. But if you don't, just send me a question anytime or any way that you want to. Uh, or a comment, and I'll be happy to make it part of the show. So, let's get right to it. Here's the first voicemail. Hi, Bob. Ed from New Jersey calling again. I'm the gentleman with the shooting range in my backyard. Just one quick observation after listening to podcast 548 about the uh, the, the range observations and stuff. One thing I've I've come to notice is everybody thinks they know how to hold a gun. And with the the advancements with uh, grips and hand and finger placement and stuff, that's the one thing I always check on, on shooters, whether they're new or old. And usually everybody is receptive to, to the, the newer grip that, that we use. Um, however, there are some stubborn ones that have been shooting since they've been six years old, and that's the way they shoot. And they stand all cockeyed with one leg in front of the other, kind of like a modified weaver stance, if people remember what that's like. And they, they can't figure out why they, they can't hit the dueling tree from 10 yards or whatever. Well, let's start with the basics. And I think that's, that's where you have to start is the basic stance, the basic hold of the gun, and, and the basic sight alignment, sight picture, and then target acquisition, trigger pull. Get back to basics, even if it's like a control-alt-delete on somebody that's been shooting for a while. You practice the fundamentals, the basics of shooting, and you build from there. It's, it's not how many rounds you can shoot, but it's, it's how many rounds you can get on target. So, love the podcast. I continue to listen. Keep up the good work. Be safe down there, and God bless. Talk to you soon. Hello, Ed. Great voicemail. Thank you for calling that in. Man, I'm jealous that you have a shooting range in your backyard. Wow. <laughs> I just wish wish I could do that. That just sounds so cool. You bring up a good point that a lot of people think they know everything because they've been shooting since they were a young kid. One thing I've always learned, no matter whether I'm trying to learn a shooting skill, a sales skill, because most of you know that I'm a full-time salesperson, or anything else that I want to learn. The worst thing that can happen is that if I think I know it all, and like if I don't read an instruction booklet, or if I don't watch some kind of an educational video on how to accomplish what I'm accomplishing, or if I don't take a class on it, if I keep my mind closed and think that I've, I know everything, that's where the problem is. And just because you've been doing something all your life doesn't mean you're good at it. Would you agree? I mean, how many of you listening right now would can can probably agree that some people can do something all their life, but they could have been doing it wrong all their life? Or maybe they weren't doing it wrong, but they could have done it a little better. Or there's something new that they can learn that they didn't know all of their life. Man, I tell you what, almost every day 
in my real job, almost every day I'm learning something new. And I've been selling now 34 years I've been in this profession. And it's, it's just unbelievable. Uh, 35 years, actually, I've been in this profession. And I still learn something new. I'll bet that there are very good shooters listening to this show that still learn something new if they keep their minds open. So the grip... Ed mentioned the grip, yes, and you know, when I teach a class, that's the first thing that we start with, is grip. It's the first thing that, that we start teaching, is grip and stance and your draw. Drawing the gun out of the holster and presenting it to the target. That Those are all vitally important. You know, being able to hit the target. Ed, you mentioned in this voicemail a very good point. It's about can you make hits, quality hits, and hits where they need to be. And I don't care if you're training for competition or if you're training for self-defense. It doesn't matter. you got to make hits. you got to make them accurately, efficiently, and you have to make them with a relatively decent amount, amount of speed. Right? you got to make them with a decent amount of speed. I hope you would agree with that. And it's a balance. It's a balance of speed and skill and accuracy and efficiency. So the grip's a big deal. You can really mess yourself up if you don't have a proper grip and a proper stance when shooting a handgun. I like new shooters because most of them listen very well. The people who have been shooting since they were six years old and they got all their training from their dad and their uncle and their first cousin, those are the ones that sometimes seem to be much harder to teach because they already feel like they know everything and all they their whole attitude is give me the gun give me the ammo and and i'm ready to go and don't show me anything or when you do show them it goes when you tell them it goes in one ear and out the other um and they don't really pay a whole lot of attention so ed you brought up a great point the grip and the stance uh, grip is huge, folks. It's huge. And not just not just your hands, but also the grip of the gun. I mean, first of all, you there's a lot of there's a lot of things you need to do with your hands. And it's really it's not very scientific. It's basically grab the handgun uh, pretty much as, as as hard as you can squeeze it. Um, you know, and kind of squeeze it as if you were gonna squeeze something with the palms of your hands. You know, like for example, let's say you just you wanted to you wanted to choke your gun, right? Act like you want to just choke the crap out of your gun, and and you're squeezing it, and you just how would you do that if you wanted to squeeze the ammo out of your gun? How would you do that? And that's you know, verbally, that's about how I can describe it. And what about the grip on your gun? You know, does the grip fit you? Uh, is the grip textured so that you can keep? A hold of that gun while it's while you're shooting it um, stopping the gun from moving I like what Spencer keeper says you know align the sights on target press the trigger and don't let your sights move after you fire the shot and get right back on target and do the same thing press the trigger and don't let your sights move what do you have to do to be able to do that you know, a lot of it is where are you placing your feet? Where are you placing your arms? How far are you extending? What are you doing with your body? What are you doing not just with your hands but your body? You got to analyze all that stuff. So, Ed, great voicemail. Uh, thank you very much. It's, it's important stuff. So, the grip. For those of you who are members of the Shooters Club that Ben Branham and I have produced, 
you'll see about 85 instructional videos on there and a lot of the videos we cover grip we cover stance we cover movement we cover recoil control we cover how to recover from the shot and get back on target and and fast follow-up shots that's all you can view all that on the shooters club eight dollars a month for eight dollars a month or seventy five dollars a year you can go to shootersclubmembers.com shootersclubmembers.com i will also be putting a link in the show notes for that as well so great stuff ed thanks for calling it in and uh, i guess that's pretty much my response and what i wanted to say to that let's get to the next voicemail hi bob bill in fargo north dakota i'm a big fan of yours listen to your show every week i've been in law enforcement and security and carrying a gun for about uh, 35 years closing and on retirement here pretty soon. Anyway, I wish you'd, uh, hope you would uh, spend a little bit of time one night talking about uh, 38 Super Auto from 1911. I found this uh, caliber a couple years ago and absolutely fell in love with it. And I was a cop in the 90s and went through the 40 caliber um, era. I uh, love 1911s bunch of guns, bunch of different calibers, but the 38 Super has a whole history of um, how it uh, came into prominence, kind of lost favor when the 357 Magnum uh, became popular, came back into popularity in the 90s when it would meet the uh, power factor for competition shooting, and uh, more recently, I suppose, because some third world countries don't allow uh, civilians to carry calibers in uh, law enforcement or military rounds. 38 Super is very popular, but you haven't shot one. If you haven't, do yourself a favor and get a 1911 and 38 Super, and uh, I kind of call it uh, uh, 9mm Magnum, but absolutely smooth around, smooth as butter, shoot straight, uh, great velocity. And uh, just a wonderful round with a lot of history, and I think it would be a great story. Thank you. Okay, this podcast is also brought to you by Concealment Solutions, another sponsor. You know, they've been sponsoring this show for quite some time. Right now, I'm using an outside-the-waistband Cobra. I sincerely believe, and this is from experience, many, many years of experience, if you can carry outside the waistband, and you can do it efficiently, you can conceal well, it's one of the best methods of carry. I carry at about 3.30, outside the waistband, strong side hip, in a Concealment Solutions Cobra holster. Check them out. Also, if you need a good hybrid inside the waistband, strong side holster, concealmentsolutions.com. And you can get a 10% discount just by using the coupon code HANDGUNWORLD. I'm also going to be going to Utah where Concealment Solutions is based. I'll be teaching a class June 12th, one day beyond concealed carry. Check that out at HANDGUNWORLD.com. I'd love to see you there. So this Bill, Bill from Fargo, North Dakota. Good, good voicemail, Bill. 38 Super. Wow. Man, that's... Let me tell you something about 38 Super. First of all, I've shot it very little, like maybe 50 rounds 
of 38 Super, and I borrowed the gun from somebody else. This was several years ago, and uh, and I was able to shoot about 50 rounds. So I have little to no experience when it comes to 38 Super, but I know that it's a huge favorite of competition shooters, just like Bill mentioned in this voicemail. Bill, thank you for calling this uh, voicemail in. I am going to basically open this up to the audience. Those of you who listen to this show, how many of you out there have experience with 38 Super? If you do, especially at 38 Super 1911, please contact me. If you want to record a short um, audio file, maybe, and give us your experience with 38 Super, that would be great. Or if you want to do a quick interview, email me, handgunworld at gmail dot com handgunworld at gmail dot com let's talk about the 38 super i would imagine that it's going to be a little difficult to find ammunition for it right now in these times but if you are a reloader if you have a lot of 38 super uh, this is this would be a good educational experience so bill yeah, I want to talk about this subject. Thanks for calling in. I don't know much about 38 Super, so I'm going to be real honest with folks. I don't want to BS my way through this because that's pretty much what people would get. If I BS my way through it, they're going to get a bunch of BS, and it's not going to be all that uh, good for them to listen to. So I'd like to get somebody knowledgeable to chime in here and let me know what kind of experience that you have with 38 Super. Bill, I very much appreciate the phone call thank you for being a fan thank you for listening to my show stay tuned bill because i'm going to get i'm going to get some information some answers voicemails emails or even interviews possibly from people regarding the 38 super stay tuned then thank you okay there is one more voicemail i'm going to save for a little bit later in this episode and then i'll play for play it for you and then comment on it Right now, I'd like to get into a couple of things regarding uh, gun purchasing and ammunition purchasing. Every once in a while, I like to go to a gun show just to see what's going on out there. It's, it's easy to gather a lot of information at gun shows. It's easy to see all in one place a lot of the different firearms that are available and how much they are. The prices seem to be coming down a little bit, which is interesting. The prices of the guns seem to be coming down, but not ammunition. Oh, wow. Ammunition is still sky high in price. It's just, it's a real tragedy, folks, for our industry. The situation about ammunition. You know, guns, guns being expensive, I don't think is as bad as ammunition being expensive. You only buy a gun, you know, a lot less often than you're going to buy ammunition. I mean, if you buy a gun and keep a gun, you may run several thousand, if not tens of thousands of rounds through that gun before you get rid of it. Or maybe you never get rid of that gun. So you've, you're only going to expend the money one time, one expenditure, one time, and that's it. Okay, maybe you buy another one, or maybe you trade it for something else, or maybe you have several in your collection, but I think you see the point. You don't buy guns as much as you buy ammunition. You don't buy it as often either, and so you've got to pay the high price of ammunition. 
I've always said, folks, that a bigger disaster for the firearms industry, and I'm talking about when I say firearms industry, I'm talking about the good men and women who are lawful gun abiding lawful gun owners, law abiding gun owners. That's what I meant to say. They are serious. They are lawful. They do what is right and they believe in the God-given right to self-defense that they have. They believe in the United States Constitution. For those of you who live here in the USA, I have international listeners. You also, maybe your Constitution doesn't have a Second Amendment like we have here in the United States, but you still have a God-given right to self-defense. That's what I mean when I'm talking about gun owners and the firearms industry. And I've always said the biggest disaster that could happen is ammunition being either forbidden or cost prohibitive. If, if certain ammo is either forbidden or cost prohibitive, that's a bigger disaster, I think, than trying to control the actual firearms. Because our guns aren't worth much of anything if we don't have good ammunition for them. I hope that's something that you would agree with. It's They're not much good unless you have ammunition to shoot them. And especially good practice ammunition because concealed carry ammo you're not going to use anywhere near as often. As a matter of fact, I hope I never have to use my concealed carry ammo defending myself against another person. I don't I don't wish to do that. That's not something that I hope I have to do. That's not something that I want to do. If I go the rest of my life and I never have to use one of my handguns against another person, I'll be happy with that. I'd be thrilled. That's a victory won. I don't want to do that. It's just not something that I would wake up wanting to do. I will do it if I have to. And that's what I prepare for. And when I carry a gun, like I've said <laughs> for many years, I carry a gun because I, I can't carry that cop that would probably, most likely, although in today's situation, maybe with a degree of hesitance, but I would think that the officer would intervene and help me out. But I know as well as everybody else that listens to this, that is not reality. And I prefer to live my life based on reality. And the reality is I'm responsible for me and my family and the people that are with me. I'm responsible for their safety. Me and only me. If they're carrying, then they're responsible as well. And so that's why I choose to protect myself. So you're not going to use your concealed carry ammo Really not much at all, probably. But it's practice ammunition that is going, or is, sky high. And there's no end in sight. The pricing on it and the availability of it, the scarcity, the high price. It seems like there's no end in sight to those two problems that we have right now. And actually, I see gun prices dipping down a little bit. When I went to the gun show, I really want to get a Shadow Systems MR920 Elite. I really want to get that. I really want to get that gun. 
I know people say, oh, Bob, that's a glorified Glock 19. Fine, yeah, that's okay, good. I'm glad it's a high-priced glorified Glock 19. That Shadow, Shadow Systems MR920 is everything that I would like to do to my Glock 19. It's all the it's all the modifications that I would like to do. As a matter of fact, one of the Glocks that I have, I have modified it over the last several years to become very similar to the Shadow Systems MR920. And I've put that on Facebook, I've put it on YouTube, I've done Shooters Club videos about that gun, I've done Handgun World podcast audio videos, I mean audio podcasts about that, so you can just put that in the search bar and you can search Glock 19 modifications, you can go to my YouTube channel, which there's a link in the show notes for my YouTube channel, you can look at some of the stuff I put on there about Glock modifications, but that... MR920 is fantastic, especially the Elite. And, you know, for the price point, here's the thing. If I were to go buy a Glock pistol and start with just a basic Glock and do everything, make all the modifications that Shadow Systems already does, I'm going to spend far more money than I would just simply buying the MR920. I'm going to spend a lot more. As a matter of fact, one of my G19s, I probably have as much money into it as I would have paid if at that time the MR920 Elite was available. So that's on my short list to possibly acquire. And it really looks, and I had a chance to look at one of those at the gun show that I went to. I didn't get it because I thought it was just a little ridiculously high priced for my liking, but I may be acquiring one of those because I really like them. Now, the other thing I want to talk about, here in the great state of Texas where I live, I'm, I'm in San Antonio to be exact. Most of you know I'm a Yankee with a gun. I was born in New York City, raised in Wisconsin as a cheesehead. And now I live down here in the great gun-friendly state of Texas. Been here a long time. Been in Texas for a long time. Uh, since 1993, uh, except for three years out of that period, I've been here. So I've been here uh, a very, very long time in the great gun-friendly state of Texas. And we are very close to passing constitutional carry. I believe right now... As I'm recording this show, it's going to be up for a vote in the Texas Senate. It's already passed the Texas House of Representatives. It's going to be voted on in the Texas Senate. If it passes the Texas Senate, Governor Abbott says he will sign the bill. So Texas constitutional carry, meaning we don't need a permit any longer. We don't need to ask permission and say, Mother, may I from the government to carry a gun as long as we are 21 years of age and not a convicted felon. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, and if we do that, we'll be joining many other states that also have constitutional carry. And there's no problems with it. None of the constitutional carry states are reporting any problems with the fact that they pass constitutional carry. Isn't that interesting? No problems. Not that I've seen, not that I've heard. If you've heard of any problems with it, let me know. I would love to know. 
You know how to email me. You know how to voicemail me. You know how to get a hold of me. I would like to, or even on Facebook. If you follow me on Facebook or Twitter or Parlor or MeWe, I'm on all four of those sites. Put some information on there if you've seen some problems with constitutional carry. But I don't think there are any issues with it. To be quite frank with you, I think requiring a license in the states that do that, I think it's they only do that for two reasons. Number one, they want to make the money. Think about it. They want to they want to make the money. They want to get people paying the fee, the permission to carry a gun, right? And they want it's a great money maker for some states, and it's a big money maker for the concealed carry instructors too. And again, I'm not putting anybody down. I'm not disparaging licensed to carry instructors. I was one. I was licensed in Texas for four years and I taught and I certified a lot of people to carry a firearm in this state. But it's a money maker. And the other thing is that it's is somewhat of a form of control and it's a direct violation of the Second Amendment because the Second Amendment says that the right to carry, the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And when a state puts requirements on it, when a state or any government requires that you ask them permission, and then when they give you permission, you still have to pay them a fee, that's restrictions. That's infringements. And the Second Amendment says that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So I really don't see anything wrong with constitutional carry. Now, even if constitutional carry passes here in the state of Texas, I still think it will be worth your time and money to go ahead and get a license. Now, I know that's contradictory to what I may have just said, but there's some benefits, so stay with me. One of the great things about Texas and maybe some of the other states uh, in the USA is that if you have a license to carry, you can purchase a firearm and you do not have to get the background check oh wow bob you're you're part of the the problem no background check what do you mean bob no background check well that's not really true you don't have to get a background check at the place that you're purchasing the gun but my goodness you've gone through a lot of background checks to get your license to carry right I think you've probably gone through a lot more background checks just to get your license to carry than a lot more extensive check than the NICS check and ICS check that you're going to go through when you buy a firearm. So it just makes it a great convenience. It's really convenient when you buy a handgun and you are a legally licensed to carry holder, you just fill out the paperwork, pay the money, and out the door you go. And, you know, a dealer's not going to sell a prohibited firearm. So all you folks out there, if there's anybody listening that gets their undies in a bundle about people getting prohibited firearms, uh, people only get prohibited firearms illegally because they're prohibited. And the people who get those are criminals. And so typically criminals don't obey laws and criminals really don't care if it's a prohibited firearm. And really, in, the, in a place like Texas, it's about the only kind of pro- prohibited firearm is maybe a short-barreled rifle that you don't have a permit for or a full auto 
not a semi-auto, but a full automatic weapon. Right? So you go to the dealer, you pay the money for your lawfully purchased and lawfully sold firearm, and you walk out the door, and you don't have to get a NICS background check done. It just streamlines the process, and it's not necessary if someone is a license to carry holder. So that's one benefit. Another benefit of going ahead and getting your license, even if the state has constitutional carry, is your license is most likely going to give you reciprocity with a lot of other states. So if you travel and you want to take your gun and you want to carry it in another state that has reciprocity with your state, that's another good benefit of having a license. So right now in Texas, it's it's only a four-hour class plus the shooting and a very nominal fee. It's I think it's really very much worth it, especially for people like me. I do a, a pretty good degree of traveling for my real job. And all the states that I go to, nearly all of them have reciprocity with Texas. Every once in a while for a business meeting, for example, I may have to go to California. But that's about it. That's the only time where I'm not going to be able to carry using my Texas license. I go to Arkansas a lot, and Louisiana, Mississippi, sometimes New Mexico, Oklahoma, sometimes Indiana, Florida. And those states, I have reciprocity. So that's another great benefit of having a license to carry. But I certainly hope constitutional carry passes. I hope this time once and for all it's been it's been attempted and it's been on the on you know tried many times here in Texas and it failed. New leadership, new political leadership, hopefully it will come to pass very soon. Now another thing I want to talk about before I play the last voicemail is I want to talk about magazines. I have mentioned this before but I want to revisit this topic. Magazines, uh, people people take those too lightly. You need to have a lot of ammunition magazines for your handgun. If you have a revolver you need to have speed loaders, speed strips, moon clips, whatever it is that you're using to quickly reload your revolver. If you have a semi-automatic, that's what you're carrying. You got to have magazines, folks. Minimum. My my feeling is minimum six magazines. Six of the standard magazines. So, in other words, if you buy an M&P or H&K or SIG, Glock, Ruger, semi-automatic handgun, and let's say it's a compact size, it's probably going to have a magazine of 15 rounds, maybe more. If it's a subcompact, it's probably going to have anywhere from 10 to 13 round capacity, maybe even as little as 9 round capacity. Whatever it is, get 6 of them. Get at least 6 of them. I'm not going to divulge how many magazines I have, but it's definitely more than 6 for each gun that I own take that back there's there are two guns I've only got four magazines so I need to change that the rest of them I have a whole lot of magazines okay 
it, that's vitally, vitally important for several reasons. Let me just give you a couple of reasons. Here's one reason a lot of people don't talk much about. Magazines are a great way to store ammo. Uh, it does not hurt your magazine spring if you load up the magazine to full capacity and leave it like that. Just leave it like that. Leave it in your safe or leave them in your range bag or put them in your range bag when you go to the range. Don't leave them in the house in the range bag. Put them in your safe. It's not going to destroy your spring. What wears down the magazine spring is constant loading and unloading and loading and unloading of your magazines. The constant expansion and contraction is what wears down the magazine spring. So load up your magazines, keep them in the safe, and it's, what's really cool about that is they're readily accessible. The extra ammunition is readily accessible. When you do go to the range and you've got, let's say, five extra magazines for your handgun already loaded, it's so easy. You throw them in your range bag, you go to the range, you start shooting. You don't have to be reloading, putting in more ammo while you're at the range. At least for at least for the first six magazines, you're not going to have to put in more ammo while you're at the range. So it's a great convenience. Second of all, I think you need to have at least two dedicated concealed carry magazines. Dedicated only to concealed carry. In other words, you don't take these magazines to the range in practice. You don't run them through a training class. You you do have to test them. You got to test them a reasonable amount to make sure that they work properly. But once you finish testing them, keep those only dedicated to concealed carry. And then the other four are your training magazines. So that's why I say six, two, and four. Two concealed carry, four training magazines. Trust me, your training magazines are going to get beat up. They're going to get scratched. They're going to get dirty. You're going to load them and unload them more. So you'll wear the springs out on those magazines faster than any of the other magazines. That's why you need to have four of those. And this really should be for each of the guns that you own. Now, some of you might be saying, well, that's a lot of magazines, Bob. Not always, because think about it. Glocks are a good example. M&Ps are a good example. Most SIGs are a good example. The magazines are interchangeable. Now, I said most SIGs, not all. But like M&Ps, I, I have an M&P 2.0 compact. And I can use the 15-round mags. I can use the full-size M&P 17-round mags. I can use the long-extended version of the M&P mags if I could find them. My Glocks, all my double-stack Glocks, the magazines are interchangeable. I, I don't like the fact that the Glock magazines for the 43X and the 48 can't be used in a 19, but... You know, I understand it. We're talking about different types of guns, even though both of them say Glock. They're really different guns. I get that. But what's really cool is, let's say you have a 43X and a 48. They both use the exact same magazines. So if you owned six magazines, then you assign three magazines to each gun. And so you go that way. But if you can afford, get 12 
or maybe it's eight or maybe it's nine because those two guns for example this is just an example use the same magazines let's say you own a Glock 19 and you own a Glock 17 well let's say you had 10 magazines you can share those magazines between the two guns only the 17 round type but that's another great benefit of buying magazines is if you have another pistol that can use the same magazines that's a great benefit but if all you do is you know you have only two magazines that came with the gun well you know there's that's that's so limiting folks think about that now if you live in a state where you can only have 10 round magazines gets get quite a few of those and I'll tell you what if you live in a state where you currently can have 15 17 18 round mags it might not be a bad idea to have some 10 round magazines maybe two or three in case your state goes off the rails for example and allows some of this these silly magazine restrictions to become law in your state okay and if that never happens at least you got extra magazines that you can train with for example or even use for concealed carry so it's not a bad idea folks and it's really not all that expensive magazines don't seem to be increasing or have not increased in cost as much as the ammo that goes in them okay and with that let me go ahead and let you hear the last voicemail for this episode hey Bob it's Dave in Utah uh, recently you had a caller who was asking for advice about carrying with a tucked-in shirt. Um, I think he said he had a, a CZ P10, some kind of medium or full-size gun. Um, in my experience, um, using the, the concealment solutions, well, the CS1 holster, his uh, kind of classic hybrid holster, um, that's... I, that's what I've used, and it conceals pretty well. So there's a couple of tricks you need to do for carrying with a tucked-in shirt. Um, you know, one of the things that Bob mentioned is that you are going to have those clips hanging out. Now, I believe um, Concealment Solutions is now using polymer clips that have a bit of an underhook, where instead of just kind of a folded piece of metal that makes a ledge at the bottom of your belt, it's a polymer that actually hooks back up under underneath, so it's securely on there um, that's good to have because you don't want to draw the gun and then have the holster come out halfway with it um, but those are typically the color black so you need to engage in a little bit of camouflage here um, you're going to want to get black pants and a good um, black uh, gun belt um, and you know if it needs to be a leather belt uh, you want to you want to get one that's sturdy you can find I think probably like the Beltman or um, Adams holsters, they make leather gun belts. So you, you can just get one in black so that it's all the same color as those clips. So that way someone would only notice them if they were really looking. Um, you could even go so far as to, you know, spray a little bit of a, like a matte finish spray paint on the clips so they're not shiny, so they don't stand out. Um, and then when you tuck in your shirt, it's better to it's better to have shirts that are a darker color, or if it's white, it's better if the the fabric is a little bit of a heavier fabric, 
you know, so that the, the dark color of your gun doesn't show through. Um, it's good if they, if there's a pattern to the shirt. And then also when you tuck it in, don't let it like sit skin tight against you. You want to kind of blouse it out a little bit. So it kind of puffs around. So if you get your pants on, you can kind of lift up your right, you know, kind of lean to the right and left, kind of tuck your shirt so it kind of billows out a little bit. That'll hide the, the shape of your grip. And then of course, uh, you don't want to have pants that are too tight too. You want them to be a little bit loose so that they, you know, you're not, you don't have that gun outline imprinted against your side. But I like the, uh, I like the, the concealment solutions, um, holsters for that. Um, they, he will, he can make a holster for your. Dave, thanks for calling in. Good stuff to add about all this information I was discussing in one of my earlier episodes when a caller did call in and ask about carrying with a tucked in shirt. So Dave, good stuff. I'm glad you brought it up and he brought up Concealment Solutions, one of my other sponsors. They do have great tuckable holsters. Keepers Concealment does too. Again, they specialize in appendix carry. Concealment Solutions has excellent tuckable holsters and excellent clips that they use to make it uh, almost invisible when you're carrying with a tucked-in shirt. So check them out. Again, concealmentsolutions.com. I don't carry much or at all, really, with a tucked-in shirt. But if I do, I shouldn't say I don't carry at all. Occasionally I do. Very occasionally. And I'll pocket carry in those situations. I have good pocket holsters. I have good pocket guns. You know, I just reminded myself, it might be a good topic to cover pocket-sized pistols again. It's, I've, I've covered it many times, but yeah, I might be doing an episode on that coming up soon. Pocket-sized pistols. There are some good ones out there that are pretty easy to shoot. And, of course, definitely easy to carry. So, Dave, I really appreciate that. Good information. Thanks for calling it in. One last time, folks, my voicemail number is 210-646-1727. That's it for this episode, folks. Remember, evil does not exist in the holster. It exists in the hearts of men and women. That's where it is. Evil does exist, folks. And if, and if you're not willing to accept that, you're putting yourself in danger, in my humble opinion. Now, most of you know I'm a Christian, and... I, I'm, a, I'm a man of faith, and you know it's something that is number one in my life, but I also realize that there is an enemy. There is an enemy of the Lord, and that is evil, and it does exist. So you got to be ready for it. So please shoot straight, shoot safe. I'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Beef chow mein.